Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonia. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And we're back again this week, starting the final book of The Giver Quartet. This is Sun, book number four, and the series is written by Lois Lowry. And this time we actually return to Jonas's original community from book one, The Giver. But this time we're following a slightly older girl than Jonas called Claire. And as we always like to say, for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we're reading and rereading young adult literature from our childhood and adolescence and sharing these books with each other. Charles had read the first two books, but we were both newbies to the second half of the series, and soon we'll be done and on to a new series that I've read, but Charles hasn't, which is going to be the Divergent Trilogy. And as a newbie then, I'll give the plot summary, but for now, you're still on plot summary duty, so... If you could summarize the plot so far. Sure. So we are in back in Jonas's community following a girl called Claire, who is a birth mother as she's delivering her first child. And she ends up having to have a C-section and the elders then decide that she is unfit to be a birth mother. So they reassign her to the fish hatchery. She is then at the hatchery trying to figure out what is wrong with her and also at the same time longing for her child. With some elementary snooping, she is able to figure out that new child number 36, whom she thinks is named Abe, but we know is actually Gabe, is her child. And she starts developing a relationship with the child while feeling more and more distant from the community. Eventually, she succumbs to the memories when Jonas and Gabe leave the community and she falls into the river. And then we start book two within this book it's made of three books so we start the second book where she ends up in another community where she's lost all of her memories but she's slowly being nursed back to health and slowly very very slowly regaining some of her memories and that's pretty much the first half of what we read and so my first impression is this has definitely been the best book of the series so far like the giver was obviously great but i think this it's just at an elevated point especially because obviously the giver sets up the world whereas I feel like we're finally getting like a little bit more of an evolution on the world like we're growing the world which as we mentioned in the last episode Charles and I both really like the idea of world building so I personally really enjoyed it and then I also just feel that Claire is a like pretty much the most interesting character we've read about like I obviously, like I said, I like Jonas, but I think even the fact that Claire is a couple years older and also that we're getting now in Jonas's community, we're getting the perspective of like a newfound adult, a more traditional experience, whereas obviously Jonas had a very special individualized experience becoming the receiver, whereas Claire is just another person who just happens to be assigned as a birth mother. So I definitely have enjoyed the first half of what we've read of Sun so far. Yeah. I would totally agree. So my impression is also that Claire is definitely our most protagonist, most, most protagonist, our most interesting protagonist so far. I also think I just like reading it from the perspective of a woman more than I like reading from the perspective of a man, but that's just an incidental thing I'm noticing. But I agree that she's by far the most interesting person to read from. I think that maybe her being a little older does definitely contribute to that as well. And I agree that maybe her being like a little more ordinary actually makes it like more fun to read and 
specifically just kind of what you were saying, but this is the first book where it feels like you could not really get it if you hadn't read the previous books in the series, specifically The Giver. Whereas Gathering Blue and Messenger, obviously they were richer for having read the previous books, but they were all kind of felt like they were kind of separate books and they just all happened to kind of go together. Whereas this one, you would be a lot more confused reading it if you didn't know the world of The Giver beforehand because we're expanding on the world. And I think that like makes it much feel much more like a series and therefore more rewarding to have read the other books, which makes this book feel more satisfying to read. I don't yeah, know if that makes does. any sense. It does. I just feel, I mean, honestly, like this to me is the sequel to The Giver. Like you could have, we could have not read Gathering Blue or Messenger and we would have fully, like all you needed to read was The Giver to understand what was going on. Well, there's going to be more stuff coming up. I'm not going to spoil it because that's stuff that I've like read about the book series, but that's okay. going to connect well, the first all of the books together. the first half of what we've read so far. But, but your point is definitely that it's yeah. giver related. But like this book wouldn't make very much sense. Like this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but like the whole Claire not understanding colors, that wouldn't, you would not understand why that is if you just read this book in isolation. Like having read the giver before makes that make sense. But you wouldn't necessarily know like Kira, that Claire's community per se doesn't have color if you just read this book. Whereas like, you know, when you read Kira, when you read Gathering Blue, like there's no relation to Jonas's community except that like at the end you're like, that boy that Matt mentioned could be Jonas. But like that's really the only connection. So I agree this definitely feels more like a direct sequel to The Giver. But I think that it really finally feels like there's a payoff to having yeah. read the other books. Whereas, and there will be more payoff for the other books for Gathering Blue and Messenger when we get to the second half. But that's stuff that I knew about the series separately. So before I spoil anything, let's actually get into the plot of what we've actually read so far. So Claire, like you mentioned, she's a birth mother in Jonas's community and she's about to give birth for yes, the first and time. We also find out that she's only 14 years old. So they pretty much just wait until you seem to have kind of gone through enough puberty to carry a child a term, and then you get inseminated. But worst of all, well, this is terrible to read, but during labor, they blindfold them, tie them down, and they, throughout the process of them being pregnant, they tell the, they don't tell the women like that it's going to be painful. They like just say it'll, it'll be like, there'll be discomfort, but they don't go into detail at all. Like, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into, essentially. So, I don't know. It's just very triggering to read as a woman. Not even get yourselves into, because you literally get assigned that. And they're not even told, like, she's literally like, I feel like that was painful. And, like, she's like, this wasn't discomfort. This was pain. And at first, I I mean, I was really worried when they put on the blindfold. I was like, oh, my God, watch them. There be some, like kinky sexual abuse or sexual violence happening against these birth mothers. Like, I was like, that would not surprise me at all. But this was on, maybe, honestly, worse. That during birth, like, they're tied down, like, I don't restrained. think that it would be worse, like, I was but like, I, I also wasn't assuming there was going to be any, like, sexual things because, it, to me, it seems like the entire community, like, takes the pills to suppress their hormones. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how they get the sperm, but, like, you know what I mean? It was gross. Either way, it's so so horrible that the women are like, 
like they're not even allowed to see the child during birth. Like, like I think that's why they wear the blindfold. So they, like, there's not even the chance that they would have like a connection to their yeah. child. It's horrible. And like, we talked about that when we read the giver, we were like, wow, the birth mother really got the rough lot. And like, it was pretty bad. And then like, even the way that they talk about like the birth process is so robotic. Like they call the pregnant women vessels and their children are the product. Like it's incredibly dehumanizing and objectifying. And like we said, like after their three pregnancies, they, we got some examples of the labor that these women are just expected to perform because they were deemed not smart enough to have any other job except bearing children. And then they're going to go work on a farm or a factory or being delivery crews. Like, really, really appropriate reward for keeping the population operational and sustained. Like, so disgusting to read. Yes. And at this point, I was obviously assuming that odds are her, she ends up having a son. So we learned that she has a son. So I'm assuming, I mean, like I predicted that this book was going to be about Gabriel, like he's the son. So I assumed her son is Gabriel. And I don't remember if they ever mentioned in The Giver, like what number he was in his year of birth so I don't know if he was number 36 or not but I was thinking of who else it could be and I remember specifically that Jonas was number 19 so it couldn't be him and then the baby is obviously like crying all the time and it's very clear that the nurturer who's like kind of giving Gabriel a little bit of extra attention is actually Jonas's father so it's just really clear that Claire is Gabriel's mother. And I just wanted to like, obviously I was assuming that, but I didn't want to until like it was clear. I like didn't want to, I wasn't, I didn't know for sure. You weren't writing in your notes that the child was Gabriel. Until, well, I wrote it. I wrote until in my notes. Then. That's what I mean. Like you weren't, whereas I went in, I mean, I, again, there were some things that I knew about the book before because I've, Read parts of well, but that what you're, if you wrote before that there was nothing pointing to you telling you that it was Gabriel. So I was I write down my notes based off of not what I think necessarily, but what I'm like. Oh, this is a clear like point know, or I'm indicator. A, I'm giving you kudos for that. I'm giving yeah. you kudos for writing your notes properly. Whereas I knew from other extra stuff about the series that it was Gabriel. So I was not being as objective as I should have been. But yes, Painful. all of the clues that Asia just laid out. We do. We can confirm that Claire is Gabriel's mother. I'm sorry, guys. I cheated. I happened to know more about the book beforehand. I'm sorry. But, again, I'm giving you kudos. Thank you for sleuthing it out. But then, again, back to the dehumanization of the women. Claire is decertified as a birth mother because she had a C-section. And that's pretty, you know, awful. Just deeming that she's not even fit to be a you know, mother anymore or an operational, you know, birth mother because she had a C-section. It was inconvenient for them to have a surgery for her. And so, but she's breaking the rules. Like she figures out what Gabe's number is and she goes to the nursery and she gets pretty comfortable lying in order to see Gabe. Yeah. And this is probably when I really just started liking her character just because she's obviously willing to break the rules like even in small ways whereas we don't really get that I feel like from any other character so I just like like I don't know I feel like Claire's perspective is like a sane perspective in this like literally like insane world so it's kind of nice to read like from her perspective or like about her that's exactly what I thought I was like she's acting like a real human would rather than 
like a dystopian fiction depiction of a human. Because, I mean, we know that like there's suppression of emotions in Jonas's community, but like even in like Kira's community where that's not happening, Kira's like very much just like kind of go with the flow of all of life. And Maddie is too, to a certain extent, like he doesn't question the trading until Christopher tells him to. But yeah, I, I totally agree that like, I really liked Claire responding more like I thought a real human would respond. And so she's walking this fine line of like trying to see Gabe as often as she can. And she thinks his name is Abe because she overheard incorrectly, but she's also like trying to not draw attention to herself or break the rules of the community. As we know, there are a bunch of rules in this community and she's got a new job at the hatchery. So basically she's just feeling more and more separate from the society that they're all living in. And then speaking of the fish hatchery, I wanted to mention something that some of the other random characters at the fish hatchery, I don't remember any of their names, but they said they made like a comment like at dinner or something that they were talking about how there used to be pets, like people used to have pets, but how they don't need pets anymore because no one is ever lonely. And Claire is like kind of not agreeing with that, which I also disagree with that because obviously in this community, they've kind of made it where people may never be alone, but just because you're never alone doesn't mean you can't be lonely because Claire, I mean, Claire, how she talks, she's clearly very lonely. Like she's also in a very like specific situation where, you know, her original assignment didn't work out, which like never happens. And now she's been placed with these other people and she just seems to be having all these extra feelings. Yeah. And no one is addressing it. I mean, that's going to manifest in a different way, but no one is addressing any sort of psychological impact that it could have on her for being told that, like, she's not good enough to be a birth mother. And we didn't mention this, but, like, it was... Claire literally says, like, she's like, I could tell my parents were super ashamed when I got assigned birth mother. And we talked about, when we covered The Giver, how, like, messed up it is that the birth mothers who literally are required for there to be a community at all are looked so looked down upon. And then Claire basically gets told that she flunked out of that and then no other explanation at all. And so she's feeling super isolated and, but because no one else seems to have any like range of feelings, she's like even further isolated. So yeah, I think that was a really good catch about like the lonely versus alone and the pets, but, and that'll also come back later because obviously when she gets to, the new community and she's super afraid of like house pets even, you know, that's gonna, it's also nicely placed like for later in the reading. And yeah, here's actually the segue is like that. So this is kind of when I was also wondering like, is Claire taking the pills because she's noticing other people being pretty cold or at least like they're not emotive like, she's feeling the strong ache for her child, and none of the other birth mothers do. Like, they're like, we wanted the product, but then, like, we didn't care afterwards because they go back on their pills immediately. And even, like, Jonas's dad, who's, like, you know, he's taking extra care of Gabriel, but, like, clearly not that much because she feels like he's not even that invested either. And she's like, I wouldn't want to give up these feelings I feel for Gabriel, even though I know they're against the rules. Yeah, I had been wondering that too. And then we will get a resolution on that very soon. But it was 
it was definitely ironic that Claire was, you know, wondering what's wrong with her. And I quoted this because she said, no one else seemed to feel this kind of passionate attachment to other humans. And like, that's one of the things that literally makes us all human, like our desire to connect to other people. So I just thought it was very ironic for her feeling like she's in the wrong when it's actually, no, your entire community is actually like taking drugs to change like their natural, like to curb like their natural urges to want to connect with others. Yeah. She, like she thinks it's a defect in her, even though we obviously know that it's a literal lacking in all of them. And yeah, so we can actually just confront it right now because we're there. But basically the birth mothers don't take the pills when they're about to be inseminated or during the pregnancy. So we already guessed the preg- the pills have some level of like hormone control, but it's not the only way people aren't like feeling these emotions, but like she cannot take these pills to um, become pregnant, but Claire never took the pills before she was a birth mother. And then she's, just became inseminated pretty quickly. And then she stopped being a birth mother. But again, because they didn't think about it or plan it at all or take her into consideration at all, no one, like, assigns her to take the pills ever. And so she is having all of the maternal hormones associated with pregnancy, but no one had a plan for how she was going to feel about that. So she's literally, like having feelings that literally no one else in the community has. Yeah, and she kind of figures this all out by herself because she says how, like, the community she felt with the other birth mothers, like, just doesn't feel the same as when she's at the fish hatchery. And she's like, it's not like the people aren't nice and, like, polite to her. And she's like, it's, she's like, there's something, like, I don't fit in. And then, like, one day she's like, that every day they take the pills and I never take them. And so maybe that's why, like, I'm feeling this way. Like, there's something wrong with me. And I like this, again, because it's kind of what we were talking about. Like, what makes Claire such a fun person to read from? It's not that she's, like, superhuman smart or stupid. Like, it took her a while to figure it out. But it, it felt, again, like a very human timeline and very human sort of process of figuring it out. Like, it felt incredibly believable, which I appreciated. Because, like, you know, sometimes we read... Things and the protagonist is just superhumanly smart, so they figure stuff out instantly. But I thought this was quite believable, which I appreciated. And then we have her experience of when Jonas leaves with Gabriel. So Claire is like standing at the dock, I believe, looking at that boat that she's been so fascinated in. And then she gets like the rush of the memories, like everyone else did, where, you know, because Jonas leaves the community, and Gabriel has a couple memories at this point too, but they leave the community and all those memories go flooding into everyone and she's affected by them. She actually experiences them. Yes. And then she kind of makes the split decision to escape on the boat that she's kind of been watching from afar throughout the book. And she decides that she's going to try to find her son, Gabriel. So like I said, obviously that must be what this book is about or it's leading to that I would assume by the end of the book, I would hope if it's going to have a happy ending, Claire will be reunited with her son. I hope so. You know, we could use some happy endings in this book since the only other really, really great character we had died for everyone else's sins. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I think that's a pretty good guess on what the rest of the book is going to be about. But, and this could also potentially, assuming Asia's theory and hope is true, 
This could explain the gap in Messenger as to why Jonas was alone in the village. When, like, if Claire is able to find Gabe within the next six years, assuming that Gathering Blue and Giver happen at the same time, which we're pretty sure they happened pretty closely to each other, but assuming she can find him within the next six years, that would explain why Leader, or Jonas, is alone by the time Maddie is talking to him in Messenger. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that starts, like we said, book two of Sun, which this is where Claire kind of gets washed ashore on some like remote island that has a small village, and Claire doesn't remember anything about herself. The only thing she knows is that her name. But at this point, she's now 16, so at least a year has passed, like where she was on the sea, sailing the seas or something before she ended up here. Yeah. And, you know, classically, we have a man who thinks that he can own women. His name is Andres, I think. And, you know, he sees Claire, like, basically half dead. Like, she's almost looking like a corpse. Like, they're not sure she's alive. And he's like, wow, I want her. I want to own her. Like, very proprietary, very physical. And, like, with the added aspect of, like, she could be literally a corpse. Like, pretty gross. But, you know, we got to have that man character, right? Yeah, always. Gross. But as she's there, she's slowly regaining some of her memories. And they're kind of being triggered one by one. And since we did mention this one man who's wanting her, I have wrote down, because there's another guy, that if Claire does end up falling in love with anyone, I'm hoping it's going to be um, Einar. Is that how you say that? <laughs> Which... I would say Einar, but, like, correct pronunciation would be Enar, but any of them sound fine to me. Einar, whatever. But he, he like, has... He walks with, like, crutches because he, like, tried to escape this community and then got, like just totally maimed but like was able to struggle back and now he lives in shame because he like tried to leave and like wasn't successful but so he's pretty much like he's a loner now he lives like alone and like just tends to the sheep but he's very nice especially to claire so i don't know i see that better than you know the man who's like i want to own her oh yeah i think that if she does fall in love with someone it will be idar i mean he does give her a pet bird after all which is a great segue to the fact that Claire obviously doesn't know what colors are, which I mentioned earlier, but... So this woman, Alice, is kind of tending her, making, like, helping Claire get better. She's living with her. And she's like, Claire is you know, lacking so much general knowledge, but I'm so confused because she's like, Claire seems really smart, and she, like, knows some things, but, like, she's literally learning colors like an infant. And it's, like, really freaking Alice out. Because she's like, what is going on with this chick? But again, this wouldn't make very much sense if you'd never read The Giver. Because even, like, learning that Jonas is the first person, besides the other receiver, to see colors, like, it wouldn't make sense. Which, again, pay off for having read the other books. Yeah, but Claire, she doesn't even know what music is. So, obviously, everyone in this community is probably just wondering, like, what insane place she came from because she doesn't know what colors are. She doesn't know what music is. Like She's terrified of animals. They're like, where did she come from? Like, what rock has she been living under? Well, if only they could ask that question because if they could, like, if they could 
have enough perspective to like be like maybe she's from a place that doesn't have any of these things but like how would you imagine a world without color like you know it's one of those things where like you would never assume that people live without color but anyway you know they are all worried and whatever they're she's slowly getting better but that's actually kind of as far as we got in the reading and it's not really a cliffhanger but i think that we both agree that like the rest of the plot will probably be Claire getting the rest or at least some of her memories back and then going to find Gabe. Um, and that's it. Is there anything else? Am I forgetting anything? Well, I had two things, which I had forgot to write this down earlier in my notes, but I had been thinking it from when Claire first was like declared like unfit to no longer be like a birth mother. And it's because Alice says that she's worried Claire can't have kids anymore because Claire like has her scar from her c-section everything but I was thinking that maybe yes she had a c-section but maybe there was like a complication with her c-section which almost like led to like a forced hysterectomy like something happened to her uterus or something which is why she couldn't be a birth mother anymore because she physically could not could no longer carry like a child anymore gotcha that kind of makes sense because I was you know, as everyone listens to podcast knows, I write the outline and I was like a little confused. I was like, by your like comment about whether or not like she could, you know, have another child after the C. I thought you meant that like she couldn't have another child after the C-section. And I was like, no. I was like, that just means Alice has never seen the results of surgery, which, you know, based on this medieval community, not that far of a guess. But that makes sense that like the complication would like maybe lead to a forced hysterectomy. Yeah, like a complication. I don't. I was saying I could be overthinking a little because I've been watching a lot of Private Practice, which is a spinoff show of Grey's Anatomy. So I feel like I know things about C-sections and stuff. But to me, I mean, I remember when they decided for her not to be a birth mother anymore. Like, yes, like she talked to some of the other people and like they never had scars. But to me, like having a C-section, like, yes, you have a scar and yes, it's a longer recovery, but it doesn't mean you can't have kids anymore. And if they selected her, like, you know, for her genes or something or for whatever reason, to me, like, it just didn't seem like that was enough for her not to have it. But it could have just been, like, they don't want to have to have C-sections because it is more inconvenient for them because it is a harder process. And then Alice, obviously, like you said, this community seems, like, a little bit more medieval. Like, she might not be familiar with a C-section, like, with surgery and stuff, so she might not know. She could have thought she'd been injured or something which would prevent her, obviously, from having kids. Yeah, I definitely went with the more, with the former. I was just like, this, Jonas's community doesn't want to deal with the inconvenience of someone who had a C-section. So they were like, we're not even going to deal with that because it's not efficient. Because, you know, it's literally all about efficiency for them. And, yeah, but, I mean, your theory definitely could be right. And, like, that might explain, you know, like, you know, that could definitely figure in if she does end up finding Gabe and, like, or maybe, like, marrying Einar and, like, wanting to have a kid. Well, that's also why, for me, I think I also just thought that that would be, like, a more interesting plotline because, obviously, in the next half of the reading, of like, she does figure that out, that she is unable to have kids again. Like, that would make her even more desperate to find her one son, Gabriel. So, like, to me, that would just, like, add to the story more. But, obviously, not necessary. But (laughs) Well, we'll see. And you said there was something else, right? Yes, one more thing, which is just another comment about how awful Jonas and Claire's community is, because, like, 
just again, like highlighting of like, so they take the babies away, obviously from like the real mothers. And then the people who you're assigned to as your parents, after you, you know, are assigned like your life job or whatever and you eventually grow up and move out of your parents house you never talk to them again so you you don't even know when they die like there's a character i think at the fish hatchery like at the ceremony she says how one of the new children was given her father's name and like they said they never have like a name being repeated so that means that her father obviously was released or is is dead obviously And so it was just kind of like surprising to her. So you as a child or like as an adult, you don't even know like when the people who like raise you die until they give your name to a new child and like you hear it at the ceremony, which is just, I don't know, it's pretty dark. Yeah, no, it's definitely dark. I mean, they, it's, it's almost like sick, but like when you say it, like when you say it out of context, it's, it is kind of sick, but you know, in the context of the world, not justifying it at all, just kind of, you know responding like they don't really love their parents like they're all just kind of like roommates like because it's not like their parents are like a couple really because they don't pick their parent like parents don't pick each other they're assigned and it's not like they have any passion for each other like they literally say like the parents role is to like basically do basic teaching and that's kind of it and like i'm not saying at all that it's like okay and it definitely is sick but i think that like in the context of the world, like, they all seem to just shrug it off because, like, there was never any affection between them and their parents anyway. Like, it was, like, it kind of felt like there were four people as roommates, two of them being children. That like, a terrible way to live. Do you think the parents sleep together in the same bed? I mean, probably, but, like, I'm sure they're not, like, being romantic. Like, I'm sure they're not, like, having sex. Well, no, they wouldn't be because they have no sex drive. They have, they don't have any hormones to have the desire to do that. I was like, or even if like they're in the same room and maybe they have separate beds, but I just like, what a world, what a terrible way to live. Yeah, it sounds pretty awful, but I I feel like they probably like sleep in the same bed, but it's like, it's just, you know, sort of like functionally like recreating what like a family was before sameness whatever they call yeah. it in Jonas's world. I just thought it was like, I really noted it because the girl, I think it was a girl. Yeah. Fish hatchery. Like when she talks about it, you can tell like that she's still uncomfortable by it. It's like, it doesn't fully not matter. Yeah. But she doesn't know how to feel. She doesn't know how to express how she's feeling because she can't really fully feel. Yeah. It's like, she's, she's on feeling. the cusp of the feeling, but she's not like fully realized it. Yeah. Like she can't express it. Can't actually put it into an, a, and like an emotion, like it's just like she's just like it's weird. I don't know. It was Absolutely. just very interesting to read. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely like the Jonas Claire, and now we can say Jonas Claire community is like what makes this series considered dystopian. Like, because Oh, for sure, yeah. You wouldn't necessarily say that about Maddie and Kira's, like No, theirs is like in the past. Theirs are much I mean you could have dystopian historical, but, like, theirs feels more like, like, that could be, like, our real-life world. I mean, they literally have, like, crosses in Kira's world. Like, they have the, wor- whatever they call it, the praise object or the worship object, and it's just a wooden cross. And then Maddie, like, is a Christ figure. Like, whereas Jonas and Claire's community feels like it was, like, it's literally dystopian, like, perfect utopian world gone wrong. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, and that's why also I was kind of glad, like, we returned to that community again for the last book. Like, it's satisfying as a reader. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else before we wrap up? I don't think so, but I can't believe for next week we'll be finishing another series. I know. Already. Time flies when you're having fun. So I, mean, I don't think I had that much fun <laughs> throughout this series, but I'm definitely having fun now. Okay, well, we'll take it. Next week, we're going to finish up Sun. So if you do read along with us, finish books two and three of Sun. Finish the whole book. And that means we're also finishing the whole series. So kudos to us. But finish the book if you do read along. And as always, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You'll just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on Twitter and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at Sheeland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this, as always, make sure you rate and review the podcast, share it with your friends, and check out the other amazing podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.